Allison beat me to it, but I'd like to say it again. Happy New Year to all of you and welcome uh, to Morningside. Welcome to our online folks. Uh, you know, this morning as I uh, went around, I saw a few new faces. And so I went and greeted uh, some folks and um, met, uh, met two gentlemen back here. I'm not going to embarrass you guys at all, hopefully not too, too embarrassing. And, and uh, uh, they shared with me that um, a sister in South Carolina watches our services online and recommended us as a church that they should attend here this morning. And so welcome to these gentlemen. And yep. And, uh, and thank you, sister in South Carolina, for watching online. And uh, yes, so Happy New Year and welcome. We are uh, starting off the year right. We're going to start off uh, the year in a new sermon series called One and Only. And hopefully you already know who the one and only is. If you, say, if you said to yourself, I think it's God. I think God is the one and only. Yes, right. That's right. Yes, God is our one and only that we come to worship. But which God? You said, well, well the, one, the one God. Right, but yeah, there are lots of different religions that claim to worship God, don't they? I mean, there are lots of, lots of folks out there that say, I worship God. Or if you say, hey, uh, I want to tell you about uh, my God, and they go, oh, well, that's not, that's not how my God is. My God, my God would never uh, 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 say what you say or, or, or teach what the Bible teaches. Uh, my God's different than your God. And, and so when we ask the question, which God, we come close to the answer when we say the God of the Bible but not quite close enough. You see, and if God had thought that the Bible was enough to point us to Him, then He would not have needed to send Jesus, would He? Would He? Because you see, lots of people go to the Bible and they take the Word of God and they twist it and they shape it. We do this. We shape it to our own ends. And why would anybody ever do this? Why would we ever go to the Bible and say, well, I think this is what it means. And somebody else says, well, no, I think this is what. And, and we can't even get along because we don't agree on what the Bible teaches. Why would, why would anybody do that? Well, throughout this series, we're going to answer the question, how can we come to know who God is and how can we worship Him for who He is? And the answer is, the Scriptures point us to our one and only. Uh, Jesus said uh, to the Pharisees and to the people who were testing Him and asking Him all sorts of questions, He says, you search through the Scriptures because you believe in them, that they, uh, that they point you to God. He says, but the Scriptures refer to me, Jesus. And now, can you imagine a guy walking around? You know, hey, how are you? I'm, I'm Jesus. And hey, the scriptures are all about me. Can you imagine somebody walking up to you and telling you? I mean, either the person would have to be a massive head case to, to say, hey, the Bible's all about me. Or they, they'd have to be, you know, telling the truth. And as it happens, Jesus is telling the truth. He is God's one and only. Hebrews uh, chapter 1 verse 3 says, He is the manifestation of the glory of God, the exact representation of His being. If you want to know what God looks like, you have to look at Jesus. If you want to know what the Scriptures are pointing to so that we might have salvation, so that we might have eternal life, so that we might have joy in this life and hope in the life to come, you have to get to know Jesus. And so this new year, we're starting off with a series entitled One and Only. And each week, we are going to look at passages of Scripture that point us to Jesus and say, hey, in case you didn't get it the first time you read the Bible, it's all about Him. We cannot overstate how important Jesus is to our faith as Christians. There is no faith. There is no uh, Christianity. There is no church. There is no hope. There is no salvation apart from Jesus. So as we start the year off, we're going to start the year off on our firm foundation. And we, as a church, we're going to look with laser beam focus, as, as the writer of Hebrews says, we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We're going to look at Him. Uh, because if we're looking anywhere else, we're looking 
in all the wrong places. So we're going to start today with our first passage of Scripture, which is a very familiar one. It's John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And we're going to look at the first five verses. And I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, the first banner over here has been turned. And you probably can't see it from where you are, but there are two words, and I'll throw those up on the screen. These are the words that we find in this passage. And one of them is, is, is an image, if you will, right? So word, word is not really an image, but light is. And we can't have light without God's word. And when God speaks, he speaks so that there would be light. And that's what we're going to see. That Jesus is the word of God. He's not the Bible. But he is God's spoken word that brings light into our darkness. And we're going to understand that better, hopefully, as we look at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. You probably have seen this passage before. Here we go. Read along with me. In the beginning was the Word. Now you'll notice that Word is capitalized. Every time in Scripture you find the word Word <laughs> to refer to the Bible, it's not capitalized. And this is just a convention in English, right? Because we're saying that this word right here is referring to a person. This right here, as important as God's word is, the foundation of our faith is found here. But what is the foundation of our faith? The scriptures point us to Jesus, to Jesus. And so in this case, word doesn't refer to Bible, refers to a person. In Greek, halagos, the word. And you will see this is referring to a person, not to a book. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And there's that word light. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So here we have it. Here we have it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word spoke, and there was light. This is what this passage is teaching us. In the beginning was the Word. Now, when was this beginning? When, when was this Beginning uh, was this the beginning of uh, uh, of 2023, last year? No. Uh, well, was this the beginning of let's say uh, recorded human history? I don't know when that date was, yeah, but it's going back maybe several thousands of years. No. Uh, well, was this was this uh, the beginning when the Big Bang happened? If that's in fact what happened, no. This beginning right here is before everything that is. And we know that because it says, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. This is not the beginning of human history. This is not even the beginning of creation. This is the beginning of God's divine purpose to make everything that is. And who was there with God in that beginning, when God said, I'm going to create the cosmos and I'm going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to create some human beings and I'm going to reveal myself to them and I'm going to let them know, hey, I'm who made you, I made you, I made everything there is, who was with him, the Word was. Who is this Word person? The Word was with God and the Word was God. It doesn't say God was the Word. <laughs> and here, this is where uh, Christianity departs from the other monotheistic religions. You, you know, monotheistic just means one God religions. We believe in one God. This is, this is fundamental Christianity, one God. 
but we believe in one God who subsists as three divine persons. And the scripture teaches us that there is God the Father, there is God the Son, and there is God the Spirit. And what John is doing right here is he is taking the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, and he is reinterpreting the Old Testament scriptures for us Christians. How can Jesus be God when God is God? He says, well, before Jesus came to Bethlehem in the manger, he was the Word. He said, well, uh, the name Jesus doesn't appear here in this text. That's true. But if we keep reading a little bit further in chapter 1, and if we read through the rest of God, John's gospel, we will figure out pretty quickly. He, he is speaking of one person, Jesus of Nazareth, and saying, this is the word of God. And he is the one who brings light. Now, I told you that John is reinterpreting the Old Testament, specifically He's reinterpreting the first three, four verses of Genesis. There are two books in Scripture which start in the beginning. Two books in Scripture that start in the beginning, right? You know the first one is Genesis, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now here, John's gospel starts in the beginning was the Word, right? And he's actually telling us, you know, b before God created the heavens and the earth, at, at that beginning, just before the beginning uh, was the Word. And he was not created by God. He was with God and was God. And if your mind is starting to feel a little bit like, I don't think I can fully grasp this, you're on the right track. You're on the right track because, because God can't be fully grasped. Which is why, incidentally, when God chooses to reveal himself to us, he uses images like windows into the reality of who he is to show us, I want to tell you what I'm like. I want to tell you what I'm like, but you're not going to be able to fully grasp me, uh, grasp who I am or how I am or how I, you know, how I could exist or how I can make all things or how I could be one God in three persons or how I could be fully divine and yet fully human in the person of Jesus of Nazareth or how I could go to a cross and die and all your sins could be forgiven, but, but you need to grasp it. Because in Jesus is life. And the life that's in him is the light that you need. And without this light in you, you will be overcome by darkness. But with this life that Jesus has in himself, if you allow that life to come to be in you. If you allow him to say to you, let there be light in you, then the darkness will never overcome. But don't take my word for it. Here's Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and I want you to notice the two themes, word and light, and how John has basically pilfered from Scripture, uh, pilfered from Genesis, pilfered from the first book of the Bible in order to teach us about Jesus. Uh, uh, the writer of Genesis says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now the earth was formless and empty. And what darkness was over the surface of the deep. When God, the scriptures say, when God created everything, he didn't create it, poof, there it is. It's a finished work. No, he created everything there was, but darkness and emptiness and void was what he made. But, and, the Spirit of God wasn't done working yet. The Spirit of God was hovering, fluttering, the Hebrew says, like, like the wings of a bird, fluttering over the deep, the, the deep, the, this abyss of void and empty darkness. The Spirit of God hovering over the waters. And what did God say? What's the first thing the Word said? Let there be light. Now, He didn't say let there be a sun. He didn't say let there be uh, some halogens. He, he didn't say let there be a source of light. He just said let there be light. And boom, there was light. And God saw that the light 
was good. And he separated light from darkness. We get offended sometimes when people say, not this, but that. We get offended because we say, hey, you're judging. You're saying that one thing is better than another thing. But God does this all the time. God does this all the time. He says, this is good and this is not good. This is good and this is very good. God saw the light and he said the light is good, but he didn't say, hey, let's get rid of the darkness. He simply said, I'm going to put the light here, I'm going to put the darkness here, and I'm going to say the light is the good. And so where, if, if you and I had a choice of where we would want to hang out, in the light or in the darkness, knowing that God says the light is the good and I've separated and I've said here's the light over here and here's the darkness over here, where do you want to hang out? Well, gee, I don't know. I mean, they look equally good to me, God. I mean, I know you said the light is good, but, but gosh, I mean, I mean, who's to say for sure? Who's to say for sure whether good uh, is darkness, whether good is light, light is good? Who's to say? God, who made the light, who made the darkness. Scripture says uh, in the book of Isaiah, God says, I form light and I form darkness. But he puts a clear separation between them and he gives you and me a choice. Where do you want to hang out? And I'm sure in this moment, everybody goes, I want to be in the light. Ah, but see, there's the rub. Because everybody's given that choice. And everybody fails at that choice. We all fail. At some point in our lives, we choose darkness over light. This is what sin is, right? It's to say, I could be in the light, but I'd rather hang out over here. And we're going to see why that is here in just a moment. But what I want you to see here in this passage and in the passage in John, in fact, uh, in both passages in English, we have about 61 words. 61 words in English. Genesis 1, 1 through 4. John 1, 1 through 5. The same number of words that point to God's two acts of creation. The first act of creation was what we might call natural creation, which is to say he made the stuff all around us. And then he said, hey, you guys want to be able to see what I made? Boom. And he threw on the lights. And we see natural creation because God turned on the lights. And that's what Genesis 1 teaches. This was natural creation. Everybody, the righteous and the unrighteous, the just and the unjust, the sinners and the godly, we can all see. Everybody who hangs out in the light, everybody who hangs out in the darkness, we can all see because God said, let there be light. That's Genesis 1, 1 through 4. In John 1, 1 through 5, the kind of light that John is talking about using Genesis as his material, his source material, is a different kind of light. It's a different kind of light. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. This is God's second act of creation, or what we call sometimes new creation. He didn't just stop with making the world and making us and making everything in it. At some point, he sent the word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And John, the writer of John, says, And we have seen his glory, the one who is full of grace and truth. Through him, the light that goes on allows us to see not creation, but allows us to see the creator. The light of Jesus shines a light on God and says, this is who God is. If you want to know who God is, let there be light. Jesus is the word of God who speaks God's light into existence. And we all benefit from chapter 1 of Genesis. But only some ever see the light that shines in this darkness, in my spiritual darkness. Because though the sun is shining on the outside, I may be walking in darkness because I do not know God, because I have not let Jesus speak God's light into life within me. And he's the one and only. He's the one and only. 
And so this is why John, in a very famous passage in John chapter 3, you know, you know the part that says, uh, this is how God loved the world. He sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Have eternal life. He's got it, and he's given it to everyone who believes in him. But a few verses later, John says this. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light. Again, this is not natural light and dark. This is supernatural. This is the kind of light that says, oh, I know who God is. Oh, I know who I am. Oh, I have darkness in me. And if I'm going to have something other than darkness and death and formlessness and void and the, and the deep, oh, all that darkness in me, I'm going to need God to speak God's word, to speak his light into me. But oh, I don't know, I kind of like the darkness. People, this is what we say. This is what we do. People love darkness instead of light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. Yeah, and we should be really careful at this point that we don't say, yeah, they're all like that. <laughs> people, people are all like that. Those sinners. John's not talking about them. John's talking about John. John's talking about Jonathan. John is talking about each and every one of us. This is the verdict. Jonathan loves darkness more than light. And if you can't say, and that's true of you too, then you have not received the light of life. Because through the light, we see two things. We see one, that he is light, and I am not. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. Yep, here I am. Sinful, shameful Jonathan. So that it may be seen plainly that what they have, been, what they have done has been done in the sight of God. All that means is, yeah, I acknowledge all my deeds, all my dark deeds were done where God could see. I wasn't hiding any of it. He knows and I agree with him. I walked in darkness. But I can choose. I can choose the light. I can choose to say where Christ is, is light. And if I walk in the light, everybody's going to see and know, oh my goodness, Jonathan sure is a sinner. Yep, they're going to know. But I'd rather be a sinner walking in the light, saved by grace, the grace of the only one who is light and who has life in him, than to be hiding and cowering over here in the darkness, hoping God will never find me. And surely, if I hide long enough, maybe he'll forget about my sin. But Jesus says this to you, and he says this to me. He said this to the people in his day. He spoke again to the people, and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so now here we're saying, okay, so wait a second. If what you're saying is that God will save me out of darkness, he will forgive me of my sins, he will heal me of this, of this, uh, of this tendency that I was born with to want to be in the darkness, to to want to hide, to want to pretend, to want to say, hey, I'm okay, I'm okay. God doesn't, God doesn't have anything against me. But if instead I say, no, no, I'm going to come out into the light so that everybody can know and see that yeah, I'm a sinner, I am not the light of the world, but I can come to Jesus who is the light of the world and I can follow him, I can live my life for him, following him, then, then what you're saying is that I will have the light of life for my own? Yes, Jesus says. He says, I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you will never walk in darkness. Because he says, I don't walk in darkness. I'm the light of the world. Everywhere I go is light. <laughs> That's a pretty, pretty good gig he's got there. He's the one who brings light. 
And so this is what I want to say to you, to each of us. I say it to myself. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. We all of us have sinned. We all of us fall short of the glory of God. There's not a single person in here who's good enough to say, I am the light of the world. Can you imagine a human being walking around saying, I'm the light of the world? Jesus did. Jesus did say that. We can't say that. Only he can. Now, do you see why then? He is the one and only. He's not just a good guy. He's not just a helpful teacher. He's, just not an, he's not just an example to live by. He is God's one and only. And incidentally, this phrase, one and only, translates a Greek word from John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his... In Greek, it's monogenes. It doesn't matter that the Greek is monogenes. But you hear the mono at the front? Mono, one, genes, begotten. The only one that God said, this is my son. This one, him, my image. The one who's like me in all his ways. He's the one and only. And if we believe in him, we will not perish, but have eternal life. So if you want to see God, if you're looking and you're saying, hey, I, I believe there maybe is a God out there. And I believe maybe he's good. And maybe he created everything. And I believe maybe that, that if, I, if I got to know this God better, my life would go better. Maybe I'd have, uh, you know, I'd be happier in my life. And yeah, you, you will be. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if, if he's the one who made everything, then getting to know him and being friends with him is probably a good idea, right? As opposed to being like, well, he made everything. He made me. He can unmake me. You know, but I don't really care anything about him. I mean, what, what is he to me? That's pretty foolish, right? It'd be pretty foolish to make an enemy of the one who made you. But if you say, well, I want to be a friend of the one who made me, there is one and only way, one and only one way for you to be friends with God, and that's through Jesus. And if you want to know God, if you want to serve God, if you want to follow God, if you want to see who God is, who is God, then you need Jesus. The one the scriptures call the word made flesh. To speak light into your darkness. And how, do you, how does that happen? It's real simple. He's speaking right now. He's saying, let there be light right now. And some folks in the room are going, yeah, I heard him. I heard him years ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm done hearing, hearing uh, from him. I'm, I'm done learning anything new. I'm done letting God speak to me through Jesus because I heard him all those years ago and, and now we're good. Well, take care. Be warned. Lest you begin to presume you're all good. That somehow at some point you heard God speak, let there be light, and you walked a few steps down the road and go, guess I don't need to hear him speak to me anymore. I'm all good. Be warned. This is pride and presumption and self-righteousness. And it is death. It is darkness. It is sin. Just come back from the dead. Ha, ha, ha. I can convince you, you don't need to listen to God's word anymore. You're all good. Just go on your merry way. But if you're listening to my voice, listen for his voice. He is saying, let there be light even now. So that you can step out of darkness and into light. And so that you can step closer and closer to the light that gives life. In John 17, verse 3, it says, this is eternal life. Jesus says, this is eternal life. To know the Father and the Son he has sent. Life is not just about going to heaven when we die. Life is about growing in our relationship with Jesus so that we grow in the knowledge of God and of his ways so that we grow to become more like Jesus so that we grow in our relationship with Jesus so that we grow to know and you see how it continues and on and on and what I want you to do over these 13 weeks is that I want you to come every week or I want you to watch online every week and I want you to say I want to know 
God better, so I need to know Jesus better. If I want to know God better, if I want a closer relationship with God, if I want more of his favor, more of his blessing, more of his life, more of his light, I need to know Jesus better, and the scriptures will help us. Because the scriptures are that neon sign that God has written for all of us. Going, look at Jesus, look at Jesus, look at Jesus. Everybody goes, yeah, I got Jesus figured out. But I want to know God better. There isn't any other way. The scriptures point us to Jesus so we can know God better through him. Um, for me, uh, 2023 was a, uh, I don't want to put too strong a label on it. So I'll just say hard. There's some other words that I could use. Um, the, the tone of those words is fairly negative. <laughs> but it was hard. It was a hard year. And uh, there are times when I felt like, gosh, I, God, I thought I knew you. <laughs> And here I'm going through this and I'm realizing, gosh, there's so much I don't know. There's so much I can't see. There's so much I have to trust you with. You're, you're probably like me, even if it wasn't 2023. It, it was at some point in your life, you've asked the question, God, who are you? Or, or God, what are you doing? Or God, why are you doing it this way? It just doesn't make any sense. God, where are you? Right, so in, in our Christian lives, if you know Christ, sometimes he leads us to the valley of the shadow of death. He leads us into places where that natural light, the light that we like to walk by and live by and go, yeah, I see where I'm supposed to step next. Aha. And we can move with confidence. He leads us into places where we're like, uh, uh, where'd you go? What happened to that light? Who turned the lights out? This is hard. This is dark. But he's whispering even still in those places. I am the light. Follow me. And you will never walk in darkness. Well, what are you talking about? Because it's really, really dark. He says, that's not the darkness I'm talking about. I'm talking about the darkness of going back into your sin going back into the world that I saved you out of, going back into patterns of living that got you in that dark place in the first place. What I want for you is I want you to trust me and follow me. I want you to listen as I speak. I'm the word and I'm speaking and I'm telling you how to walk in the light when you can't see where you're going. Um, have you ever... Uh, Studied whales. Anybody here have studied whales? It was a kind of a fad back in the 1980s. I don't know if it's a fad or not. Save the whales. Anybody remember that? Save the whales because apparently the whales were uh, going to go extinct. And I don't know if we saved them or not. But I haven't heard anybody say save the whales recently. So maybe we did. Maybe we saved them. Uh, but this week, this week in fact, I was uh, watching a little nature documentary. And um, I do that from time to time, right? Does that make me a nerd? Probably. Anyway, so I'm watching this nature documentary, and it's talking about whales, and specifically how these whales, you know, those regular old whales, humpback whales, blue whales, and all that, are like, they've been found bashing their, their bodies up against these rocks in, uh, you know, underwater. They have rocks underwater, right? And these, these whales are, you know, swimming through the water, and you think of whales, you know, you know, just kind of slowly, but bashing themselves against the rock and they're trying to figure out what's going on with the whales and so all this you know whale self-harm and what they've discovered is that you know those things that accumulate on, on the whale's face uh, and body sometimes the little rocky things they're called barnacles yeah that's what they are uh, those are parasites did you know that those are parasites you can imagine walking around with a bunch of rocky bugs stuck to your face. I mean, you'd probably be bashing your head on a rock too. And you don't have arms. You got flippers. But the flippers don't reach. And so what's your best bet? Well, scratch your face on a rock? I don't know. But this is the thing. You know where the barnacles live? They don't live in the open ocean. The barnacles live where the plankton is. 
And what do the whales like to eat? Plankton. Right, the plankton is the little microscopic green, uh, you know, microscopic plants that, that float in the water. And the whales love the stuff. And they eat the stuff. I mean, they eat it and they eat it. And, you, and I mean, you got to eat a lot of plankton to satisfy a whale appetite. And the barnacles hang out where the plankton is because the barnacles like to hook on to the whales because then it's like, hey, free ride through the plankton fields. And so the parasite grows on the whale because the whale takes the parasite to the food. And if you've ever seen a video of a, of, a, of a barnacle, it's disgusting. It's like a little rocky shell with this bug just, you know, grabbing the plankton. And it's on the whale's face. And I'm like, that's really gross. I mean, that pretty little old whale. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes it gets really bad. And the, and the barnacles, they, they pierce, they puncture the skin of the whale in order to hook on, and they can irritate the skin. And so there's some articles out there that say that the whales aren't bothered by it. Well, until it gets so bad that they can't swim normally, or uh, the barnacles will die, and so they have dead barnacles hanging off of the flesh. And it occurs to me, this is a picture of our Christian lives. This is a picture of our Christian lives. That for us, we know the light. If you, if you know Jesus, you know who he is. You have the light in your life. But we swim, not in open waters. We swim out in a world where there's a lot of darkness. And we come to church and praise God that you're here or you're watching online. Because we got to go, oh, I need to breathe some clean air for a little while. But then we go back out into the world. And Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, and if you follow me, you will never walk in darkness. But let's face it, well, we walk for a few steps in the light, and then we wander into the darkness. And, and, you know, usually it's this time of year. Usually it's the first of the year. We go, you know what? I'm getting serious in my faith. Or, or sometimes it's not, you know, I've done that before. So now I'm just going to get serious about losing weight. Or I'm going to get serious about reading more. Or I'm going to get serious about this or about that. You know, all New Year's resolutions... They're all about trying to be a better person. That's what it is. I want to be a better person, uh, so I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get in shape. Nobody ever had a New Year's resolution. I'm going to be a worse person. No, nobody did. But what makes it hard to keep those resolutions, what makes it hard to stay in the light, is we walk out into the darkness. And the darkness sticks to us. Like parasites, it starts to grow on us. And, and even the strongest believer, even the strongest faith, even the person who says, I will never leave God, Peter said, I, even if they all betray you, I never will. And then what happened? It got dark out. And so it's not enough to know that he is the light. And it's not enough on a Sunday morning or the first of the year to say, I choose to walk in the light for the rest of the year. If we're going to walk out into this world that's full of all the sinful parasites, turn on the TV, surf social media, walk to your workplace. The problem is not just out there. The problem is, hey, I love darkness. <laughs> we all do. I love it a little bit too much. And so I swim. And I'm just swimming where the food is. Just swimming where life is, and somehow it's sticking to me. And so this year, and as we start this series, I'm inviting you to start with a good barnacle scrape, with a good exfoliation on your soul, with a good renewal of faith that Jesus is the one and only, that he is your one and only. That he is God's word to you by which you receive the love and the gift of salvation, the gift of forgiveness of all the sin, of all the wrong, and all the less than. That, you know, the times when I say, I'm going to do it for you, God, and it's, it's my best. But my best is, you know, full of darkness. 
And so I don't have to be down on me. I can simply say, I choose you, Jesus. I don't have to beat myself up and say, oh, I'm such a horrible sinner. We all are. Guess what? We all are. And so then if we're all starting from that same place, then Jesus is our answer. He is the light. He is God's word to us. And so all I need to do is follow the light. And what I want to invite you to do today, because we've got some time before we come to communion. We brought the kneelers down or this the platform here, or you can kneel right where you are. You can pray right where you are. Is take this as an opportunity to renew your faith or to make a faith commitment for the very first time. To say, hey, I don't want to walk in darkness anymore. It may have kept me hidden, but I choose to walk in the light. I choose to come out where God can see me and acknowledge my need for the Savior. But don't do nothing. Don't say, oh, that's really interesting. Jesus is the word that brings light. That's good to know. File that one away in the old noggin and go about my merry way. That's doing nothing. Do something. And that something is the invitation that Jesus has made. I am the light of the world, he said. He who lives and believes in me shall never walk in darkness but you'll have the light of life. Would you bow your heads? As we make our decision, what to do, what to do, what to do. We have a couple of minutes before communion, before we come to the table, before we make a decision or renew our commitment. And if it really is all about Jesus, if he is really God's one and only, then it's important that we acknowledge that. It's not enough to hear the word. We must also respond with a word of our own. That's what worship is, by the way. Worship is the response to the word. And so, God, we do. We respond to you. Altars open. Or where you are. Come to Jesus or come back. He is God's one and only. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come longing just to bring something that's a worth that will bless your heart Bring him this. I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within. Through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. I'm coming back, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it, when it's all about you, it's all about you. Are Jesus, you are King, King of endless worth. No one could express how much you deserve. Oh, oh I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours. 
before your table, the table you set with the body and the blood of your son broken and shed for us. My God, this table is already full of lots of food that we like to eat. So we've got to clear the table first. We've got to clear the table of everything you didn't set on the table before we come in here and eat the meal you've given to us. We've got to recommit ourselves that we will, as far as our souls are concerned, eat only the food you have for us. When we get infested with the food the world offers, we need to be free from that. So God, we choose this day. Once again, well, for the very first time, that Jesus is our one and only who deserves our worship and our praise. Jesus is your one and only who reveals who you are and calls us to holy living. And we're coming. We're coming to him. But we're coming back because he is all. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I make it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's the deacon's step into place with the elements. God, we pray that you bless your table and bless us with that sense that we are right now walking in the light. In the light of your love for us in spite of our sin. In the light of your faithfulness in spite of our faithlessness. In the light of the choice that you made, Jesus, to go to the cross, to lay down your life when I was the one who put you there, when it was my sin that drove the nails, that you laid down your life for the, re the rebel, laid your, down your life for the thief. You, you laid down your life for those who walk in darkness. And that's me. We come to your table now grateful for your sacrifice. And we pray you bless these elements as we walk humbly in the light of your love and your grace. Amen.
The scriptures warn us not to eat the bread or drink the cup in an unworthy manner. If scripture warns us not to do something, I think it's a good idea to pay attention. What is an unworthy manner? Well, according to the scriptures, it's to come to the Lord's table with one heart and to get up from the Lord's table with a different heart. Thank you, God, for your gift of salvation. Now I'm going to go live my life however I please. That is not walking in the light, and that is, in fact, eating from the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. We all stumble. We all fall down. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But don't eat the bread, don't drink the cup if you know better than God. If you know that somehow you don't need the sacrifice that Christ made for you. If somehow you got enough light in your life, you don't need Jesus leading you. But if you're coming to the table saying, this is my soul's life. Not the bread, but the sacrifice Christ made for me. Not the juice, but the blood he shed to cleanse me, to make me whole and holy, acceptable in the sight of God. If that is the heart that you come to the table with and that you intend to get up from this table with and go out into that world, then this table is for you. This bread is for you. This cup is for you. Welcome. Let's receive together the meal the Lord prepared for us. And on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and blessed it and broke it. Turning to his disciples, he said, this bread right here, not just any bread, this bread is my body, broken for you. As often as you eat this bread, do this in remembrance of me, Jesus. Have mercy. And the scriptures say that after supper, he took the cup This cup, he said, is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this cup, do this in remembrance, Jesus says, of me. It's the start of a new year. I don't know what resolutions you might have made or how many you've kept. It's day seven. Maybe you made it five days. <laughs> if you keep one, if you keep one for 2024, it's to keep the resolution that Paul himself made, which is to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. And I'll help with that. Look, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm the expert, but I'm saying he's asked me to come, he's called me to come and to teach you about him. I am a servant. My job is to point you to the one I serve. So for 13 weeks, I'll be here, except for one when I'm at a retreat, and Zach will be here that week. But for 13 weeks, we're going to look at the scriptures and we're going to let them point us to Jesus to show us who he is so that we can know God better, so that we can live our lives in ways that honor him. And this Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, I'll be in the fellowship hall with anybody who wants to continue. This was a monologue with some dialogue. This Wednesday night, 6 o'clock. So when the, the next gen is starting up over in the family center, I'll be over here at 6 o'clock, 6 to 7. Conversation and prayer around the scriptures, if you're interested. We're going to conclude with worship. We're going to conclude by declaring what a beautiful 
name the name of Jesus is. And so I invite you, let your worship be as glorious as the God you adore. Let your praise be as definitive as the word he has spoken to us. Let your sacrifice and offering of praise be as emphatic as Christ's sacrifice at the cross. Give him as you have received. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, we need more of you. We need more of a vision of who you are. We need more of a relationship with you than we could possibly have just as, as feeble, broken, sinful human beings. But you have given us so much more than we could ever use up in this life by giving us your son, Jesus, by giving us a vision of who he is, by giving us a calling to, to come to know him, to seek him, to serve him. And so my prayer, God, is that we drink deeply, that we feast at your table, that we, with gratitude and praise and faithfulness, worship our one and only. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.